trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Would you pray with me? Lord, we long for our paths to be straight and our heart's desire is to trust in you. We confess that in this world, that's a difficult reality to live out. And so in these moments together, may your spirit work in us through your word to shape us to be the people that you want us to be today. Help us to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Back when I was in high school, which was shortly after the earth's crust cooled, And this was a time in American history when there was junior high and high school. There was not middle school and high school. Junior high was seventh, eighth, ninth grade. High school was uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And when I was in the 10th grade, when I was a sophomore in high school playing on the football team, our school was large enough that we actually had three separate football teams. We had the varsity team. Uh, we had the junior varsity team, and there were so many of us in the 10th grade playing football that we actually had a sophomore football team. And our sophomore team, of which I was a part, uh, played mostly junior varsity teams from other schools around uh, central and southeastern Arkansas. Because there weren't that many schools like that, we only had about a nine-game schedule, and at the end of our sophomore season, uh, the head coach of the football teams uh, decided that the sophomore team was going to be the scout team for the varsity for their remaining uh, two or three or however many games were left. I distinctly remember one afternoon in practice, Coach Stanley, who was a sophomore coach, sent me in at nose tackle. Now, you need to understand, that was the position I played that and guard. And I am taller, I am broader, and I am heavier now than when I was playing nose tackle and guard in high school football. So Coach Stanley sends me this little punk 10th grader in at nose tackle against the varsity team, starting team. Ball is snapped, I come up out of my four-point stance and I slip the the, the blocks of both the center and the guard. What that means is they blew their blocking assignments and didn't touch me. So when I came up out of a four-point stance, I was looking into the eyes of the running back who was coming forward to take a handoff from the quarterback who was standing there looking at me as he was handing the ball off. I did what I had been trained to do for however many years. I put my face mask slap into his chest, locked my arms around his back in a perfect form tackle. His momentum carried us forward. I went over on my back. Everybody else piled in on top of us. I'm laying there looking up at him and he's looking at me like, how did that happen? (laughs) And then I heard Coach Stanley coming from the sideline, screaming at the top of his lungs, whoa, Chuck Roberts! That's what I'm talking about, Chuck Roberts! That's the way to play football, Chuck Roberts! Ooh, Chuck Roberts, that's what I'm talking about! He's pulling guys off the pile until he gets down to me, and he helps me get up, and he's slapping me on the back. Oh, Chuck Roberts! That's the way to play football, Chuck Roberts! I'm standing there, and I'm thinking... That's right. 
So what do you do in practice when you mess up a play? You run it again. So starting team huddles up. They come back up. I'm there at the nose tackle. I'm going to do it all over again. I go down into a four-point stance. The ball is snapped. The center and the guard double-team me and knock me into the secondary. And that was a highlight of my high school football career right there. Practice makes perfect. You do what you do to get it right. Whatever it takes to hone your skills and be as sharp as you can possibly be. We're in that season right now where college and professional professional and, and even high school teams are having training camps, just like the, the Falcons are in training camp right now. They've got one game under their belt. They are evaluating players and trying to find out who's going to be sharp enough to make this team. The difference between high school football and the elite college and professional teams is in high school football, you practice till you get it right. In the Power Five conferences and professional football, you don't practice till you get it right. You practice until you can't get it wrong. And they work as a team and as individuals to stay as sharp as they can possibly be to be able to be the very best that they can be. We're wrapping up today this series of messages that we call Sacred Soundbites. We've been looking in the book of Proverbs at at Proverbs that that shape and inform our lives. One biblical scholar has suggested that that Proverbs are like little uh, pegs on the wall that you can hang something on to be able to hold on to and think about while you go through your life. And today, the proverb we're looking at comes very simply from Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. A few weeks ago, our colleague Barry Gaddert stood right here and began a sermon by looking out at the congregation and saying, I don't need you. Now, it was a rhetorical advice. He meant quite the opposite. But he made his point by saying he didn't need you. He came around at the end of that sermon and acknowledged that, yeah, he really did need you. And the reality is every one of us needs each other. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need each other to be able to stay sharp in this world. There are biblical examples of this. David, before he became the king, as he was honing the skills that would enable him to be the leader that he was for Israel, needed Jonathan to help him stay sharp. In the New Testament, Mark, the the writer of the Gospel of Mark, the, the earliest gospel written, a little wet behind the ears follower of Jesus, needed Barnabas. Read the book of Acts and you'll see how their lives intersect at points along the way. He needed Barnabas to help him stay sharp, to know what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Peter needed Jesus to say the things that he needed to hear that he probably didn't want to hear to to knock some of the rough edges off of Peter. We need each other. You know why? 
I ran across this word. I, I was um, rereading a book by David Brooks, The Road to Character, and I stumbled across this word that I had circled the last time I read it. The word is Zerusenheit. Had to go online to figure out how to pronounce it. Zerusenheit. David Brooks says that, that loosely translated, this word means falling apartness. That's why we need someone to help us to stay sharp because our lives are Zerusenheit. Our culture is Zerusenheit. We are experiencing entirely too much falling apartness. When I get up this morning and, and I look at the front page of the newspaper and I, I read the tragic news of El Paso, and then I flip on CNN to make sure that the world didn't end overnight because it might change what I say on Sunday morning, and I see that the same thing has happened overnight in Dayton, Ohio, I find myself thinking, it's Zerusenheit. Our culture is falling apart. We have lost the capacity to know how to feel and express and deal with negative emotions. And, and we don't have time to do a deep dive in everything that goes into these insane acts of, of violence and terror. But part of it is we don't listen to each other. We live in these little bubbles, these little shells of our own lives. And because we lean on ourselves, it's Zerusenheit. Our lives are falling apart. We're not sharp. We're dull. Politicians do not build up a country by tearing other people apart. Give us a vision of hope, of truth, justice in the American way that will capture our spirit and want us to get behind them, not teach us how to make fun of someone else or, or tear someone else down or pick at someone else. That's Zerusalemite. It is falling apartness. We need people who will lead us, not teach us how to act like we're in the seventh grade. Culturally, individually, even as a Christian movement, we are experiencing this. We have gotten so soft that we will let anyone believe anything, anytime. It's, it's like the verse at the end of Judges. In that day, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did as he saw fit. If you want to do that, that's fine. Go ahead. That's fine. And because of this, because everyone is a person unto themselves and, and we are no longer connected to others, we are experiencing Zerusalemite. We're becoming dull. We're becoming soft. And that is not what God has called you and me to be. There's this scene at the beginning of the movie, or, or early in the movie Chariots of Fire, where Eric Little, who is a missionary in China, but apparently is just faster than Greaves lightning, uh, has come home to Scotland for furlough. And while he is home, someone, some of his family members and friends are trying to convince him not to go back to China immediately, but to stay in Scotland and train for and compete in, quite possibly, the Olympic Games. They are saying things to him that he doesn't necessarily want to hear, but he needs to hear. Listen to how they try and help him stay sharp. You're the proud possessor of many gifts. And it's your sacred duty to put them to good use. That's right. One thing we know you can, strong and true. And the mission cannot but gain by your success. What we need now is a muscular Christian to make folks sit up and notice 
How good are you, Eric? Sandy reckons he'll run for Scotland before the month's out. And after that, the sky's the limit. Meaning what? The Olympic Games, maybe. Eric, you can praise the Lord by peeling a spud if you peel it to perfection. Don't compromise. Compromise is a language of the devil. Run in God's name and let the world stand back in wonder. If you've seen the movie, you know the rest of the story. If you haven't seen the movie, you're not going to heaven. I'm just trying to help you stay sharp, folks. That's all I can say. You know, to be sharp today, to be the church that God has called us to be, to be the followers of Jesus that God has called each of us to be, we need to stay sharp. And and in a world and in a culture that is falling apart, like Eric's brother says, the world today needs a muscular Christian. Someone who will make the world stand up and take notice and give glory to God. I was looking at this verse. I've spent a lot of time with this verse through the years and began to wonder what the New Testament parallel to um, as iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another might be. And I stumbled across Mark 12.30. The context of this is that someone has asked Jesus what the greatest commandment is. Most of you know the answer to this, but in Mark 12, 30, Jesus responds with this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And here's the thing. Too many followers of Jesus today love God with some of our heart, most of our soul, a little bit of our mind, strength. But if you and I are to be sharp and not dull and make a difference for Jesus Christ in this world, we need to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. I think the the parallels in our daily life, your heart, that describes your relational life, the relationships that you enjoy on a daily basis. Your soul, quite obviously, is your spiritual life, how you intersect with, interact with, listen to, and respond to the grace of God in your life. Your mind is your professional life. If you're a student, it's, it's school. If you're working, it's whatever your profession is. If you are no longer working, it's whatever you do with those eight hours, nine to five, in which you make a difference for other people, in, in the lives of other people for Jesus Christ. Your strength is your personal life. Too many of us just give God a little bit of our relationships, spiritual life, profession, or our personal life. When he has called us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Most of us need someone else to help us do that started wondering, how is it that a community of faith hears the call as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another? That's a peg you can put on the wall and you can hang your life on. Who are the people who help you to stay sharp? 
A couple of weeks ago, I was in Guatemala on a mission trip with uh, the men's ministry here at Peachtree. Eleven of us were down there, and one particular day, uh, we had a rather odious task. In the spirit of full disclosure, in 14 years of mission trips, this is the nastiest thing I have ever had to do. There was this outdoor storage facility, cinder block wall, that this group who had been running a children's home on this property, the the ministry we partnered with, Oasis, had just purchased this the week before. A group had run a children's home there for a couple years, and they abandoned it two years ago, and they just threw everything in this outdoor storage room, and there was a hole in the roof about the size of two watermelons. And it's a flat roof, and two years of rainy season had come in on clothes and shoes and computer parts and refrigerator shelves and toys and piggy banks and black plastic bags full of dirty diapers. It was special. (laughs) And so two of us said, okay, I wasn't going to ask anybody else to do it if I wasn't willing to do it myself. So another guy, Tucker Green, and I decided to tackle this. And and we started, this is a picture of me and Tucker. Uh, Online, I refer to this as hazmat suits. They really weren't. Technically, they were painter's coveralls, but gloves, masks. Um, We tried to use rakes to pull stuff out into wheelbarrows. We couldn't do it. Finally, I said, Tucker, I'm going in. And I just went into the room and started picking this nasty stuff up and putting it in bags. And finally got to a point that I could see floor. And he came in there with me. And we hit one particularly juicy spot. And um, Tucker Tucker said, I'm going to barf. I'm going to barf. I'm going to barf. And he, he turned away. And I just started laughing. And the, the more I laughed, the more he started laughing. And the two of us kept each other sharp in one of the most odious tasks I've ever been a part of. And we got it done. Dan Girding and Joe Ellis helped us out. And when it was all said and done, the, guy, the missionary down there came and he looked at that space after we cleaned it. And he said, I don't know how to thank you. Tucker kept me sharp when I wanted to turn tail and run. Hazen Dempster is a member of this church, and Hazen and I together have walked somewhere in the neighborhood of 600 miles of the Appalachian Trail together. This is a picture of several years ago when we were in Hot Springs, North Carolina. Uh, when you walk 600 miles with a guy with, with 30 to 40 pounds on your back, you get to know each other pretty well and you can say things to each other and you have insight into one another's lives that that few people have. This is someone, because of the amount of time we have spent together, knows how to keep me sharp. Similarly, Steve Ciceri, who is a member of this church as well, Steve and I, uh, I cannot imagine the number of miles that he and I have ridden our bikes together on the Silver Comet Trail, where we have talked about life and children and marriage, and now in Steve's life, grandchildren and men's ministry and work and everything else. He's one of the guys that helps to keep me sharp and and hold my feet to the fire. And I would be remiss if I did not remind you of the one person who more than anyone else has kept me sharp longer than anyone else. 
This is a picture of uh, me and my wife in Pozzuoli, Italy, when we were leading a, a trip in the footsteps of Paul a number of years ago. Notice how she has one hand holding me down and the other hand strategically placed to guide me where she wants me to go. We men who are married are blessed if we have a woman who holds us in our place and directs us where it is that we need to go. Every one of us simply needs someone to help us to stay sharp. The men's ministry here at Peachtree, Iron Men, finds its name from this verse, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Um, for the record, guys, we don't start back this coming Tuesday. It's Tuesday the 13th, up in the summit of the lodge at 7 a.m. We keep one another sharp so that we can serve Jesus Christ at home, at work, and in the community. But how do we do this? How do we stay sharp? How do we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength? In our relational life, our spiritual life, professionally and personally. Let me suggest that in our relationships, we need to make time. And if you won't make time for me, then I need to make time for you. We need someone to make time to spend with us to help us to stay sharp. Spiritually, we need people to help us dig deep. I have a, a group of guys that I have breakfast with every Monday morning. We've been doing this for about 14 years. And, and we spend time in Scripture and we read theological books and we push each other to stay sharp, to know what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. Today, every one of us needs this. If you're working in, in your profession, I'm laying odds that you have not yet reached the pinnacle of your profession. You don't know everything there is to know about your profession. You need to learn. I don't care if you only have one year left until retirement. There is something you can learn to help you be better, sharper, make a better difference for Jesus Christ at work. It's called continuing professional education. And strength in your personal life, you need to take care of your body because nobody's going to do it for you. I had a classmate in seminary that when I'd be going through the cafeteria line, I'd get down here and I'd reach over and I'd get a, a piece of pie or a slice of cake for dessert and John would be a couple of people away from me and he would just yell, Poison! You're poisoning your body. I didn't want to hear it, but I needed to hear it. Every one of us needs someone to push us, to stay sharp. We're not going to, my Lord, when you will call Grubhub to deliver McDonald's instead of getting off of your hiney, can I say that in church? Okay. Um, and fixing yourself a meal, there's something wrong. This culture has gone too soft, too narcissistically, self-indulgently focused. You are blessed to be a blessing. You're not blessed so you can pat yourself on the back. You have been blessed to make a difference in this world 
for Jesus Christ. And you need people in your life to help you to stay sharp. Yeah, you can sharpen someone else, but you need someone to sharpen you. I heard that, amen. Thank you. You know, this table reminds us better than anything else probably that the one person who can help us stay sharp better than anyone else is Jesus Christ. He gave his life for us. He lived his life so that he could show us how to live. He sharpened other people. He didn't need anyone to help him stay sharp because he is God. But this table reminds us that his spirit dwells within even you today, helping you to hear his word and to stay sharp. And today, Jesus invites anyone and everyone who trusts in him for their eternal salvation to eat and drink from this table. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise of everlasting life that you hold out to us and for the gift of your Spirit who helps us to stay strong, to stay sharp, to be able to love you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Bless these elements of loaf and cup which we share today that that so often we use to satisfy our, our physical hunger and thirst and use them today to satisfy our spiritual hunger and thirst. Lift us to heavenly places for we may be served by Christ himself. In his name we pray, amen. The Apostle Paul gives us the words by which we institute this sacrament. He said that on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. After he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, our Lord took the cup and offered it to his disciples saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is poured out for many for the remission of their sins. Drink of it, all of you. Paul says, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. We'll offer the sacrament in a number of locations around the sanctuary today. Uh, In the nave, we will be invited from the back of the sanctuary, working our way forward. So relax, ushers will tell you when it's time for you to come forward. You can go to the stations. As you take the bread, feel free to take it uh, at your leisure in your own time and in your own way as a reminder that Jesus comes to us as individuals. When you get the cup, hold on to the cup until everyone has been served, even the elders on the front pews, so that uh, we can be reminded in that symbolic way that Christ comes to us in a community of faith as well as individually. If mobility is an issue or, or you would prefer to remain in your seat, we have some elders who will be roaming the sanctuary with the elements. They will be happy to bring the elements to you. Just alert one of the ushers and we'll bring the, the sacrament to you. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. All is ready. Won't you come?
Friends, go from this place remembering what we have done here today, but go remembering what God has done here today. You are a forgiven people, eternally loved, and charged to stay sharp in this world. Go into this world as God's sharpened people. As you go, may the living Lord Jesus Christ go with you. May he go above you to watch over you, beside you to befriend you, behind you to encourage you, beneath you to uphold you, within you to give you his peace, and before you to show you the way. Amen.